You listen to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, I will share some random thoughts and opinions of mine about things going on in our world today and where we are today. I'll be right back. So good evening to all my listeners out there. This is your host, Julian Perry, again, thanking you for joining me for another episode of 247 Real Talk. It is just after 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday, April the 7th, 2021. And tonight I'm going to speak with to you um, or speak with you, um, share my own thoughts sharing my own opinions. This is a totally random and unplanned episode. I had a guest scheduled for this evening, and he was a no-show. So I figured it's been a while since we had a one-on-one talk, and people got to hear my thoughts without a guest presence, so I thought I would go ahead and share some of those tonight. This won't be the usual longer episode, but I'll take the opportunity to get in touch with my audience, and as I said, to have a little chat. So here we are, April 2021. The first thing that comes to mind is about this time in 2020, this time last year, starting in the end of May, end of March, I should say, I came down with COVID. The actual height of the illness that I, that I experienced, the worst part of the illness, I would say lasted for about seven days, seven or eight days. It was 105, 106 uh, plus fever, uh, on a couple of occasions jumping into the shower, real ice cold shower because no matter the regiment of Tylenol, extra strength Tylenol, the fever would only stop for an hour and a half or so and it would come raging back and, and you, you know, you can't, you can't take Tylenol, but so many times a day are after each dose after so many hours. It was probably the worst illness I've personally experienced. The body aches and pains. I was spared the respiratory illness, which means that you know, despite my suffering, despite what I went through, despite um, my fear of ever having having to go through it again, I had one of the easier cases, as bad as it was compared to those over 500,000 people who've lost their lives. I remember incredible body aches. I mean, body aches that I can't explain, except to say that the pain was excruciating in every single joint from your fingers to, to your neck, to your eyelids, to your knees, to your, it didn't matter where in your body. And my body went through this for probably two to three months, even after 
the 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 risk period or the, or the heightened period had, was over after the fever had stopped after you know those those effects of that seven days had stopped i uh, i was taking things like diclofenac and other medications and muscle relaxes uh, for like the next three months to deal with the aftermath uh, in my household my wife had the same COVID, um, she lost her, t- her sense of taste and smell for quite a long time, you know, even after the COVID. My children were spared the brutality of it. And, you know, that, that in, in my mind, is just God's will and God's work. So I fast forward to where we are today. I've been vaccinated. My wife's been vaccinated. Well, many of my friends and uh, people in my immediate circle, I think they've all been vaccinated, people in my immediate circle. And I look out at the world trying to figure out where we are, what we're doing, and where we're heading. Uh, Again, this is random thoughts, so they may be a bit bit disjointed, but I want to have a real conversation with you. I start off, what comes to mind immediately is kids in school. There is one specific parent um, at my kid's school that has taken every opportunity and every social media platform to blast the principal of the school for believing that COVID is real. That parent says that COVID is a hoax, that they will not be getting vaccinated, and their child will not be vaccinated. <sighs> it is hard for me to wrap my head around what people believe. And, and this whole year has been filled with many things um, affected by what people believe, from our elections you know, to covid People get these theories and they and they convince. I don't know who they're convincing that this is real, you know. And and it has, in my mind, it has to do with a few things. I think that over time, some people have simply lost trust in in government, and so they've gotten to the point where because they've lost that trust, because we have politicians who have betrayed our trust in public. They don't believe anything they hear out of, of politicians. And, and I can understand that to a certain extent. You know, we, I, I do believe that many people get into politics with the energy and the intent to change the world. And somewhere along the line, they, they stopped being the human being that went in there and they became a politician. And the wheeling and dealing starts and soon they find themselves lying as part of the establishment. And so the people who have discovered those lies or been affected or witnessed those lies now have no faith in government. So they have the conspiracy theory is very easy for them to absorb. I don't know what they believe or what they don't believe. I don't know what they think that these 500,000 plus people just in the United States alone, and that means there's millions around the world, have died from. But the fact is, whether or not they choose to believe in COVID, 
they still need to believe that there's something out there that's killing people if, if they choose not to believe in COVID. Personally, as I said, I had it. I believe it. But to tell me that you're not going to vaccinate your child and then you're going to put your child back into school with my child is a problem. And that leads to my next thought. I understand that there are hardships that we all have different lives. We all have different lives by design, um, by, by trade. Um, and, and so there are those of us who prefer to keep our kids out of school. And there are those of us who prefer to have them in school for many reasons. One reason may be that you feel that they get a better education when they're in the classroom. The other reason is that because of, you know, personal circumstances, you need the school there to be sort of the caretaker for the child for certain times of the day so that you can go out and make a living. These are facts of life. For me personally, and I can only speak from a personal perspective when I speak facts, um, my children have thrived teleschooling. They have done extremely well teleschooling. Matter of fact, you know, they, they've gone leaps and bounds ahead to the point where their reports are all in excellence, all in 90s and 95s and above. And I think for my personal situation, I think the benefit has been that I have been working from home and therefore I've been able to pay more attention and, and have been part of a bigger role in their education. So there are benefits, there are pros and cons to everything. I don't want in any way to give an opinion here that that insults or, or upsets someone. So I want to keep it real and, and, and you know reiterate that this is my opinion. I'm looking at especially government, because government is leading by example, New York City, state, federal government, in getting people back to work. And I'm wondering at the same time, what have we learned in this past year? I have seen many reports in many industries where productivity has gone up from their, their workforce. Um, and I can tell you from my own experience, generally speaking, when I go into work, I spend almost two hours traveling in and two hours traveling home. That's four hours. Much, much, you know, much of the time I spend now, I'm able to spend with my children going over their homework and their lessons and, and helping them understand anything they didn't understand in class is not available to me when I'm traveling back and forth to work because of the time I leave and the time I get home. It has also meant, working from home has also meant a, a, a sort of a better quality of life because we as a society, we're tired, most of us. Those of us who strive to make a better life and, and, and put one foot in front of the other, we're tired. We're tired because in the previous model and the model we seem to want to return to, we get up at ridiculous hours in the morning to take, uh, to, to pay hundreds of dollars to take transportation to a job, to spend eight hours there or more, to come back home and another two or three hours, you know, depending on traffic and everything else, sometimes more, to barely get to say hello and good night to our families, to go to sleep, to wake up the next day, and to do it all over again. 
And then by the time the weekend comes, you're exhausted. We've got things to do. Half the half of the businesses that we need to get to have limited hours or they're closed because it's the weekend. And then Sunday comes and by, for me personally, it was always by 6 p.m. Sunday, my body would automatically go into a different mode because it's, well, you just got a break, but it's over. It's back to work. And I think what I've learned from this, or one of the main things I've learned from this teleworking is opportunity. We, you know, if, if we think about this as a people, we have the opportunity here to do what we're best at, and that is be innovative, come up with new, year, new ways industries and for employment to keep people employed but in a new mode in a new way that increases the quality of life of people i mean it is it is very difficult as i think about returning to work not because i don't want to go back to the workplace but because i it's it's hard after seeing in in such a drastic and such a horrible time after seeing the benefits to family and to, and to life and to, to my health either, because beyond COVID, otherwise I've been very healthy. I've been able to exercise when I wanted to. I've been able to keep a schedule. I've been able to, as I said, you know, spend time with my family and with my children. I've been able to, 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 to live a life that, in, that is not completely overwhelmed by work or by something attributed to work. We often talk, even, even you know, politicians, they often talk about making things better for employees, making things better for society, making things better for their, the people who live in their jurisdiction. This is an opportunity. And then I think even further about, well, maybe it's time for us to, to, to reinvent ourselves. After all, we've got people floating, you know, above the earth in the space station. In, 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 you know, if, if we're, if we're that brilliant, why can't we figure out ways to use teleworking, build our infrastructure that it supports, um, faster, you know, data transfers and bandwidth or more bandwidth so that we can support the, uh, you know, as large as possible or, or, or an infinite, so to speak, workforce. Working, producing, get, getting more sleep, being better rested, being better employees, being better people. And don't get me wrong, before I'm done this, this, this sharing or this rant or whatever you want to call it, I'm going to touch on some of the negatives that I've seen as well. And, I've, and these are things that I've discussed in other episodes with guests. So just to finish this thought, I think that we have a, an opportunity to not only, as I said, add quality to the lives of people, but we also have an opportunity to, you know, create, create, create other opportunities. Meaning, if we thought for a moment that we have a bit, you know, let's think for a moment we have a business and that business has, let's keep it small, 10 locations and, you know, 5,000 employees. I'm just making this all up. And at those locations, they're paying $20,000 rent a month. Think about if you could save that rental income 
and maybe get the best out of your people, maybe increase the salaries of, you know, of, of your people, even if it's just a bit, so that their, their quality of lives are even better. And you create a, a, a more competitive workforce because with that, you'll obviously demand um, you know, productivity and, 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 and greater thinking and greater input from your staff. But the balance works out so well. Uh, uh, an employee who is happy, who is, who is rested, who is at their best, who is not distracted by how they're going to deal with their family and how they're going to manage this and because I got to be at work and I'm going to get home too late and who's going to pick up my child. You know, all of that, that we fatigue ourselves with as human beings. And it's so important because by, by design, the way we are, we spend, what is it? We spend, um, what's the retirement age now? 62? So we retire at 62. And in many cases, many people don't live, you know, I know what the life, the life expectancy is now, but you spend most of your life working. And, and you know, at, at my current job, I'm, I'm about to start my 30th year. So that will tell you. Is that how we supposed to live? Or should we look in the darkest moments that exist right now to find an opportunity to be better? Now, I understand that there's some people who want to get out of the house. They want to go back to the way things were, but for different reasons. And in some of my episodes, if you listen to some of them, we talked about, for instance, people who are subjected to domestic violence. You know, if, 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 if you're someone who was dealing with domestic violence and your outlet was when you went to work or when you were out of the house, those were your moments where you felt safest and without fear because you weren't around someone who, for whatever reason, you can't seem to get away from then I can understand being quarantined with that person. I can understand being locked indoors with that person. I can understand being um, forced into an environment where you, you, there is no escape and that person who is an abuser just becomes more violent themselves because, let's face it, you know, being locked in, in a home and, and being restricted from movements does a lot to the human psyche, does a lot to, to our mindsets, does a lot to us as, as social beings. We want to explode. So I, I've, I get it. I'm not saying that we have to continue to, in that mode. I'm saying that how we emerge should be better than how we went in. And, you know, out-of-the-box thinking should, should allow us to use this opportunity to make the lives better for so many people in so many ways. I also think about the elections that we've gone through. Think about where we are now. And, and there's so many things I can touch on on that, but I don't want this to be politically charged. But at the same time, one of the things that I personally look at is the promises that were made by our current president about student loans and the conversations surrounding it. There are so many people 
who have spent or who, who, who have put themselves in so much debt. I'm not talking about the ones who, who talk about I'm 30,000 or 40,000. I'm talking about doctors and, and, and people with multiple degrees who have 200, 300, $400,000 in debt. All because the, 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 the program that they follow is when you get that qualified society somewhere, some business, somehow will have in a whole will have enough jobs that you can get something that with the income that matches what you've achieved academically so that you can not only live a good life, pay for a mortgage, do, you know, do all the other things and pay back your student loans. But that's not the case. We've gone through a period with COVID, for instance. Yes, you've paused student loans, but what happens when you come out of the student, come out of it? What happens when you it's over and you have not recovered? You've barely been able to maybe pay your mortgage or or, or pay your rent. Now, what happens to you? Your those loans, student loans, will become the moratorium will be over and they'll be due. And you have to find that same money again. And the thing about it is, I bring this up because I've, I've mentioned this, I think, very early on when I first started this podcast, I mentioned this. And that was, the United States of America is the beneficiary of so much, including you know people who, have, who are born here, who have studied, and immigrants who have come here, who have received their educations abroad, and they come here to work. So most, unlike a lot of islands and other countries where people get educated by their country and then, you know, migrate to the United States. The United States is usually the beneficiary of most of the people educated here. So all of the people who, you know, or that large percentage of people who have gained that education are able to put it right back into building this country. Why do you continue to burden them with student loans when the countries and islands who have, who are nowhere near as wealthy as the United States give free education all the way through university for their citizens. And the thing about it that bothers me even more is, you know, we have politicians and the federal government, whatever, making deals with people across the, the world, you know, for, for arms and for, um, for alliances and all these things. And, and, and so they print money. They print money and they put this money into C-130s and they ship it abroad uh, as payouts for a deal or whatever the case may be, and you cannot do that for your own people. We have to go through this whole agony of 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 of, of someone sitting down and thinking, well, am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? Is the president going to do it? Does the executive order? Does it have to go to Congress? Will Congress or maybe give? Look, don't throw us a, a stupid bone and think that. And and we as people too need to need to stand up and say we need to pay more attention to who we vote for. Forget about Republicans. Forget about Democrats. Who we vote for as people. Because the fact of the matter is, if someone can send 300 million, 500 million to, to some country, you know, across the world for a deal, they can print this money. And yet they're contemplating whether they can forgive $10,000 of your student loan and you were American. That's a problem. And that tells you where we rank in the scale of our own country and our own government. This needs to stop. We need to invest in our own. When you talk about investing in your own, it should not be a mirage. It should not be a lie. It should not be just words coming out of your mouth so that you can build your rapport so hopefully you get reelected. We don't want to hear that anymore. We as people have become 
you know, motivated enough? Have we understood that, 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 that we are the ones who can demand power from those who are in power, who we put in power? And by demanding that and demanding that change, if we do it united, we will get change. I, I say to those who have spent so much time and so many years and worked so hard and had to pay off student loans, I, 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 you know, I'm sorry that you had to do that. And I'm saying that simply because I've heard a lot of opinions from people who've been paying student loans as well. I have to pay mine, so why shouldn't they have to pay theirs? Well, that's the evolution of, of, of the world. Things change, things get better. It doesn't, they don't have to stay the same because somebody 10,000 years ago did the same thing. Come on, let's be real. Times have changed. You know, I don't think there's any incentive you can give back to people who have been, who have paid off their student loans, but you certainly can, 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 you know, can, make things different as we go forward. And so I think these are all things that we need to contemplate. These are all things that we need to to take a good look at and say, hey, how can we make this time better? How can we change this world? How can we do things now in the now? Because we have experienced something that is life-changing. And my, you know, I think about it as well, and I say, you know, the last pandemic was, what, 1918? And... I, I saw a statistic the other day, don't quote me, I don't know if it was right, but it was 1980 and they're saying that 20 million people died. I don't know if those, that those numbers were accurate, but if 20 million people did die from the pandemic of 1918, that we got off really light this time. We, our, our effect was nothing near that number, at least not yet. So we have to be innovative. We have to think about each other's people. We have to not rush to put people back into social um, or if, or, or at least give the option. So my thought was, if you, if you, in terms of the real estate that I mentioned before, there are people who have to be public facing. There are jobs out there that require you, like our healthcare workers and police and firefighters, all things that, all these things that they have to interact with the public. So maybe all the money we save for allowing people to telework and not spending it on, 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 renting buildings, et cetera, space for our, for our employees, maybe we raise the salaries, we give an incentive, an incentive, a differential to those public-facing uh, employees. So if you have to be out there facing someone, maybe you get a few thousand dollars extra on your salary, something to compensate that differentiates the effort that you make and the risk that you take. And no money can be enough, but at least it shows a certain appreciation and it sort of tries to balance the scales because other than that, we are, you know, faced with going back into the same situation, packing people into buildings again. And what's the, what can be the result? Where does the next virus come from? How does it infect us? You know, we wear masks. Well, does it, does it, you know, how do we get it the next time? And when do we get it? How contagious is it? And do, uh, you know, do, are the, do the masks uh, turn out to be not as effective in the next round of, uh, uh, next time around. And then I also think about going back into the office and going back into public spaces and wearing a mask for hours a day. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. In, I'm, I'm speaking about a personal problem in terms of breathing. It is, it is, I find it not only restrictive, but I, you know, for someone who many years ago I had asthma, those things, it is not an easy thing to do. And now you're putting me under the duress of working, producing, and wearing this mask. What's going to happen in, in, inevitably is people are going to start removing their masks in the workplace. And if we haven't, in fact, 
conquer this virus. If there is a possibility that there's a mutated strain that is more deadly, that is just waiting to be unleashed, we are taking people and putting them right back into the fire. Don't get me wrong. Again, I'll say it. There are businesses out there that need help. Restaurants, bars, public places that people go to, there, there needs to be a solution to allow these places to survive by, by, by being able to have their patrons and people to come in to spend their money and, and do things, you know, that they did before in terms of jo- enjoying an evening out or whatever. And I don't know all the answers. I'm not here as answer Julian. I don't know all the answers. I just know that collectively as a people, we can come up with ways to support these industries and these businesses to be successful while making sure that we live long enough to enjoy those same businesses. And at the same time, learn from the lessons of the past and preserve our lives and preserve our, 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 our health and preserve you know, and make the best of us and our families and our ability to raise our children. This has proven to be, there's proven to be a lot of positive in this time of negativity and how we try to approach it, or how we do approach it, I think defines our future. The last thing I'm going to touch on is what has got me through this. And I know, as anything else controversial I've said tonight, if it is, there's going to be another controversy. And that is, all, everything that I've been through has been led by my faith and prayer. And I understand that there are people who believe and people who don't. What I want to address in, 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 in as my thoughts in this moment is the number of friends, et cetera, that I've had who have turned away from believing, who have told me that they used to believe, but they stopped believing. And as, as someone of faith, it's, it's not easy to convince them or, or, to, or to make my point to them because I understand at the same time where they are in their lives. I think of, of a couple of them. I think of one who during this time had lost several family members to COVID and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and, and they still died. I can think of someone who, whose family ex- experienced two murders in their family. And I, 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 and this was someone who believed before who's saying they don't believe now. And they're saying, well, I, you know, I had two family members who were the victims of, of brutal murders. Where was God? Um, you know, I, 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 you can hear me grasping for words here because all I can say to them is God is here. I can say to them, it is my belief that the way I look at it is God, God gives us a choice to believe or have faith. He didn't say faith was easy. If faith was easy, and I, you've heard me say this on, on, on podcasts before, episodes before, if faith was easy, everyone would have it. Faith is, is in the worst tragedy, still believing that in our creator, that there is a God. We serve that God. We're here because that God put us here. We belong to that God. He did not promise us that because we had faith in him, that we would live these, these, these pain-free, beautiful lives floating through the universe. No. He said that no matter what we went through, he would be there. He would be there to comfort us when we experience tragedy. He would be there when we, when we pass this world into the next. 
and he will be there in, in every decision, every step we make if we seek him that way, understanding that God reigns on the just and the unjust. So even people who don't believe or don't care about him can see good fortune in their lives and believe that, you know, whatever they want to believe. We're not judge or jury, he is. Now, I got people who will listen to this and who will say amen. I have people who will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking a bunch of nonsense. It's a personal choice. I personally believe that our lives on this earth will have zero meaning, will be useless if there was not another chapter after we leave here. We have no purpose. So, you know, and then I also was, uh, I remember speaking with someone a few days ago and I said, you know, I have so many books on my bookshelf from different authors and I remember some of them and some that I've forgotten. But the only book that I know that has, that has transcended generations is the Bible. People have rewritten it. People have tried to change its meaning. There's, there's, I, I, I saw a, 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 an article the other day that talked about a Bible that was given to slaves where verses and, and chapters were removed so that it, you know, it, it was sort of, um, the only version available to them supported slavery. But at the end of the day, there is, it is my belief that there is a God. It is my belief that we human beings, just as we look at ourselves from head to toe, should recognize that we are miracles. We have a heart that beats. We have no batteries in us. We have a body that breathes. We have, we, our bodies are, can heal it themselves. We are incredible specimens that we didn't create. And we're so perfectly put together that it is not my belief that we just came out of some evolutionary process and morphed out of nothing. As far as I'm concerned, you know, we have a God, a superior being who created us. Now, you could have your different opinion, and if you know, I don't, I, I don't tend to have guests on my show to discuss religion because I think that, um. I don't know how productive that is. And we all know what they say about having those conversations. Uh, they say it about politics too, but I'm more um, tolerant to you know, having guests, you know, to discuss politics to a certain extent. Nevertheless, um, I do wish everyone out there that you continue to be safe, that I would say to you, to whatever extent you can, to make the decisions for your family the best you can. I'm hoping employers and, and politicians and, you know, people who have the power to make change and make policy hear this episode and rethink, you know, you don't have to say I'm leading by example by shoving everybody back out there and, and thinking that that's normal. You know, we use this statement, getting back to normal. We need to pause for a second and understand what, what does normal really mean? Does normal mean that we just go back to the design there was before where we don't get, like I said, don't get any sleep and we're hustling and busting and going to work and, 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 and struggling to take care of our kids and, and drowning in debt and paying exorbitant money for transportation. All the, is that normal? We keep using this term normal. What's normal should be what supports human life and success, and growth, and safety. 
not what we used to do before because we did it. That's not normal. That's just, that's almost insanity, repeating the same thing over and over again and somehow expecting it to get better, expecting a different result. And for those of you who have chosen to go a different path and, and, and turn your back from our creator, who we desperately, who I believe we desperately need in this time, I would urge you to look deep inside, to maybe read that good book, and maybe seek help from someone who can clear, who can give you a better perspective. If you, I think if every human being could sit quietly and look deeply within the moment, their own selves, they would eventually recognize not only there's a God, but if we look back at our, our lives in its entirety, in their entirety, now we'll see how great God is. As for me and my family and my home, we will serve the Lord. It's been a pleasure to share my thoughts with you. I thank you so much for supporting this episode and for supporting this, this podcast, this, this dream of mine. I remind you that you can listen to every episode on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to leave me a message, you can send me an email to podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Once again, it's been my absolute pleasure. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.